Hey there, guess what? Looks like Rachel Maddow calls Trump a liar. This is Rachel Maddow. Stop breaking news. MSNBC. Thanks for 215K. Just posted some comedy. Shout out to KAMP Stadium Radio at the University of Aridstone. issued what is called in the business a superseding indictment to add three new charges to the Mar-a-Lago case today. That's one count, one new count of willful retention of national defense information and two new counts of obstruction against both Mr. Trump and his valet, Walt Nauda. The special counsel also charged a new third defendant in that case, a man named Carlos de Oliveira, who is the head of maintenance at Mar-a-Lago. And it is with the addition of Mr. de Oliveira where things get really quite interesting. Today's new charges all center around one of the enduring mysteries it's of this case, the Mar-a-Lago Remember, that footage is the reason we know in the very first place that Trump had boxes of documents moved around his property in the days leading up to a visit from federal investigators. We know that because there was literally tape of Walt Nauta schlepping boxes to and from that storage room to other parts of the property. There were also gaps in the security footage. And now Jack Smith is alleging that Trump conspired with Nauta and this new defendant, the head of maintenance, Carlos de Oliveira, to destroy that footage. After the FBI subpoenaed the security footage, a series of phone calls took place between Trump, Nauta, and de Oliveira. Following those calls, Mr. Nauta, who was scheduled to fly to Illinois with former President Trump, Nauta suddenly changed his travel plans to rush back to Mar-a-Lago. This is quoting from the new indictment. Nauta provided inconsistent explanations to his colleagues for his sudden travel to Florida. At 7.14 p.m. on June 24th, he texted one person that he would not be traveling with Trump the next day because he had a family emergency and used the shushing emojis. Shushing emojis, as in shh, it's a secret, which is... Around the same time, Mr. De Oliveira reached out to another Trump employee who we believe was the head of IT down at Mar-a-Lago, and he's likely Trump employee number four. Quoting again from the indictment. No. On Monday, June 27th, 2022, at 9.48 a.m., De Oliveira walked to the IT office where Trump employee number four was working with another employee in the IT department. De Oliveira requested that Trump employee number four step away from the office so that De Oliveira and Trump employee number four could speak, could talk. At 9.49 a.m., Trump employee number four and De Oliveira left the area of the IT office together 
and walked through a basement tunnel. De Oliveira took Trump employee number four to a small room known as an audio closet near the white and gold ballroom. Once inside the audio closet, De Oliveira and Trump employee number four had the following exchange. De Oliveira told Trump employee number four that their conversation should remain between the two of them. De Oliveira asked Trump employee number four how many days the server retained footage. Trump employee four responded that he believed it was approximately 45, 45 days. De Oliveira told employee number four that the boss wanted the server deleted. Trump employee four responded that he would not know how to do that and that he did not believe that he would have the rights to do that. Trump employee four told De Oliveira that De Oliveira would have to reach out to another employee who was a supervisor of security for Trump's business organization. De Oliveira then insisted to Trump employee four that the boss wanted the server deleted and asked, what are we going to do? So that's clandestine chats in the audio room about deleting security footage as requested by the boss. And Trump was allegedly being apprised of all of this as it was happening. Again, according to the indictment, at 3.55 p.m. that same day, Trump called De Oliveira and they spoke for approximately three and a half minutes. About six weeks later, the FBI searched Trump's home, and the indictment says that just over two weeks after the FBI discovered classified documents in the storage room and Trump's office, Nauta called another Trump employee and said words to the effect of, someone just wants to make sure Carlos is good. Carlos as in Carlos De Oliveira. In response, the other Trump employee told Nauta that De Oliveira was loyal and that De Oliveira wouldn't do anything to affect his relationship with Trump. That same day, Trump called De Oliveira and told De Oliveira that Trump would get De Oliveira an attorney. Joining me now is Devlin Barrett, who covers the FBI and the Justice Department for The Washington Post. Devlin, um, a lot of us have been focused on Washington, D.C. Obviously, things have been happening down with that grand jury in Florida. What has changed in the intervening weeks to result in this new superseding indictment as far as the DOJ is concerned? So I think what you're seeing here is the culmination of, of some issues that we've reported about before and have finally come to a head, specifically what was Carlos de Oliveira's role in all this. And there's both factual reasons to do this and there's some legal strategy here too. Because remember, Walt's, Walt Nauta's lawyer has, has signaled that he wants to try to get out of the case with Trump. He wants a separate trial. But what this new indictment does is it ties Walt Nauta much more closely to Trump. It, it creates an allegation that Nauta is essentially going on a secret mission for the former president. And I think that dynamic will serve to, among, among other things, undercut any efforts by Walt Nauta to get out of this case. Is it your assessment? I mean, do you have any reporting on maybe a cooperating witness here? Is that why these charges are coming to light now as opposed to earlier with the first tranche of indictments? I think there was some work that needed still to be done on the Carlos de Oliveira piece of this investigation, and prosecutors did not want to wait to resolve that before they charged Donald Trump. So that's that's part one. Two, there is there are clearly, as this indictment shows, cooperating witnesses that provided evidence against Carlos de Oliveira and others uh, in this case, including Walt Nauta. Devlin, one one quick question for you: Are they still interviewing witnesses down 
in, in Florida? Is this the end of this case? Is this it, or could there actually still be more? Oh, I, I don't think this is it. We knew Carlos D'Olivera was on their, their essentially their target list. Uh, so that's not, it's not really that much of a surprise to see them finally making a decision on that. But they are not done with this investigation. There, there are still other issues involving honesty and possible obstruction that, that prosecutors are trying to understand. Fascinating. Yeah. Dylan Barrett, thank you for your great yeah. reporting. Thank you for your time tonight. I want to bring in Tali Farhadian Weinstein, former federal and state prosecutor, and Donya Perry, former deputy chief of the criminal division for the Southern District of New York. Ladies, um, not the indictments that we thought we would be talking about this evening. Uh, throw out the bingo card. Let's first talk about the charges. Um, one count, willful retention of national defense information, maximum sentence of 10 years. Let's yeah. set that aside for the moment. Two counts, conspiracy to obstruct justice related to deleting the security camera footage, maximum sentence of 20 years. Um, Put this, Danya, if you would, in the context of the other charges that Trump is facing for Mar-a-Lago. When we say superseding mills, we often think these are more like serious, are they? boxes? No, they're as serious, secrets? but are the, the more charges that are added, and particularly I think the obstruction-type charges, the worse it gets for the defendants. The, the one additional retention of classified documents charge is serious because so much has been said and so much ink has been spilled about this particular document that was not only retained, but according to reporting and according to the indictment, uh, was actually disseminated in Bed Bedminster. Um, that is going to be a very important piece of, in of evidence at trial. It also, charging it, ensures that that recording and testimony about it will come in. I think otherwise there might have been an argument about whether it fits a pattern, now it will come in, and that's devastating. And of course, the destruction of evidence charges, known as spoliation in the business, are, are equally devastating. It, it really does go to a lot of the said about consciousness of guilt, but prosecutors love evidence that shows a guilty mind, especially for the former president, who usually says whatever. Oh man, I'm one sleepy puppy. I just got back from a full day of fun with my family. With an official ESA approval from Support Pets, my family can legally take me almost anywhere. <laughs> my mom says that I'm so behaved, so I get to go to the mall, to the movie theater, out to there. I even get to go on vacations now. Red, a lot of pet owners say, is on his mind, yeah. and that's usually his fast gambit. Here, clearly there was concealment and even destruction, and that is, is generally quite fatal. Well, uh, we don't actually oh. know whether Oh, shit. Oh, man. Division for the Southern District of New York, ladies. Um, not the indictments that we thought we would be talking about this evening. Uh, uh, throw out the bingo card. Uh, Let's first talk about the charges. Um, one count, willful retention of national defense information, maximum sentence of 10 years. Let's set that aside for the moment. Two counts, conspiracy to obstruct justice related to deleting the security camera footage, maximum sentence of 20 years. Um, put this, Danya, if you would, in the context of the other charges that Trump is facing for Mar-a-Lago. When we say superseding, we all often think these are more serious, are they? No, they're as serious. But the, the more charges that are added, and particularly I think the obstruction-type charges, the worse it gets for the defendants. 
the, the one additional retention of classified documents charge is serious because so much has been said and so much ink has been spilled about this particular document that was not only retained, but according to reporting and according to the indictment, uh, was actually disseminated in Bedminster. Um, that is going to be a very important piece of, of evidence at trial. It also, charging it, ensures that that recording and testimony about it will come in. Like otherwise, there might have been an argument about whether it fits a pattern. Now it will come in, and that's devastating. And of course, the destruction of evidence charges, known as spoliation in the business, are, are equally devastating. It, it really does go to a lot of the said about consciousness of guilt, but prosecutors love evidence that shows a guilty mind, especially for the former president, who usually says whatever is on his mind, yeah. and that's usually his best gambit. Here, clearly there was concealment and even destruction, and that is, is generally quite fatal. Well, we don't actually know whether the security footage was tampered with at this juncture, right? That's not actually in the indictment, Tolly. There's a suggestion right. they wanted to do it. There are gaps. But as yet, we don't know. That sort of seems to be beside the point. It's the intention that's enough, right? Exactly. It's totally beside the point because they wanted to destroy it. And Asani said, you don't want to destroy something unless you know what you were doing on that tape was wrong. And so there are serious charges on their own, but they kind of cast an extra cloud over everything else or sort of back up all of the other charges. They really tell you that he knew that what he had done in retaining those documents in Mar-a-Lago was wrong and he wanted to erase the record. Well, and I think as the public has to be sort of shown the reasons why this matters, the idea that there's guy, the IT guy and the valet are huddling in the audio room, stepping away from the office, don't, this remains between the two of us. I mean, it's out of, like, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy in the most obvious sense, right? And the suggestion in the document and the indictment is that Trump knew about all, was monitoring all of this all along. That seemed very pointed to me, the inclusion of the conversations with Trump. Do you read it that way, Tali? Absolutely. The reference to the boss sort of monitoring this entire situation and then reporting back to him and, and then stating over and over again what his desires were. The boss wants to see this destroyed. And that is really damning evidence against But Okay, so is, well, my second question, though, is, Danya, the, the boss wanting this stuff deleted, is, is that, I'm not a lawyer, is that circumstantial, though? Because it's not, it's not a direct conversation with Donald Trump. It's someone saying, the boss wants this deleted. Does that matter that if they don't have someone on the record saying, Trump told me to delete it? It's, it's basically an interlocutor saying the boss wants it deleted. No, that will come in because there are conspiracy counts here and there's a scheme that's alleged. Statements that in a civil trial would be considered hearsay mm. can come in against the defendant. So that should come in. I'll note a lot is riding on employee number four, clearly who is, or even say cooperating because it's not clear he did anything wrong. He is giving testimony and evidence. Clearly the, the government is going to want for this new defendant, Mr. De Oliveira, to cooperate as well. Because otherwise it doesn't seem like, you know, this, this indictment is chock full of recordings and documents and clearly there's cell phone records and there's signal conversations. There's a lot of, of documentary record evidence here, but that conversation, which is so critical, 
is a verbal one. Mm -hmm. And it relies, again, on employee number four. And so that's, I won't say it's a weak point, but it's something that clearly the government will want to shore up as much as possible. Do you, do you, is this an indictment as much for Trump as it is to flip Walt Nauta? I mean, it just seems to me, at one point, Tali, it seemed like, okay, Walt Nauta's utility as a cooperating witness has diminished. With this, it sort of seems like Walt now is back in the catbird seat and that, you know, there's so much pressure on him. He's so clearly in the center of this as, for lack of a better term, a henchman to carry out Trump's plot. Do you think this increase, I mean, if you're a lawyer, are you saying now it's time to talk to the DOJ, sir? Yeah, well, look, if I were the DOJ, I would want Nauda or De Oliveira on the witness stand giving the story, narrating all of the documents and all the different things that we've talked about. It's always just much better to have somebody kind of tell the story live. And I actually think what we're seeing here is that there was an attempt to get De Oliveira to cooperate because the new charges against him that have to do with his false statements to the FBI in January are so obviously false. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like yes, they have subtle. a transcript of them and yeah. they're just blatantly lying. Yeah, and sometimes, you know... You... I know what you're thinking. Right in a grocery store, celebrities really are just like us. We're not. As a papertarian, I crush it in a place like this. Now, you gotta pay attention to the packaging. If it comes in paper, it comes from a renewable resource. I'll recycle you later. Olive is a big part of my life. Advantage XD flea treatments protect for two months. Yikes. So you interview somebody and they tell you something that you don't realize that the time is false and it takes time to figure out that they were lying. But here he says, I don't know anything about moving anything anywhere in Mar-a-Lago. He almost uh -huh. says, I've never even been to Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it's that What's Mar-a-Lago? It's footage that he tried to delete. Yes. <laughs> he knows that they have him. That's what we were talking about and before. That, it makes right, Well, sense. so they've had that hanging over him all this time. And so that tells me they've been in conversation with him saying, we can charge you with this. Yeah and not to mention all the other stuff, if you don't come along. And either they gave up on him because they decided he wasn't credible, they couldn't use him on the stand, or he decided to give up on them to, you know, stick with Trump. Chance with, chance hope, with Trump. Hope for a pardon, you know, if all the things happen that would put Trump in a position to pardon him. And when those negotiations broke down is when they had to bring these extra charges even if it means, as it, as it does, that this is going to delay the case. Oh, well, okay, hold on, just <laughs> put, a, put a pin in that one. Yeah. I gotta ask, the, we talk about employee number four. We don't know if he's an cooperating witness, but he, 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 I'm saying he, the reporting, the early reporting is that employee number four is Yusil Tavares, who is the head of the IT department at Mar-a-Lago. He is being represented by Stanley Woodward, who is also Walt Nauda's lawyer, who is being paid for by Donald Trump's super PAC, or has been paid by his Trump super PAC. That seems interesting to me, Danya, right? I mean, if one of his clients is potentially cooperating witness and the other is diametrically opposed to him, legally speaking, how do you represent both of them without a conflict of interest? I don't know. <laughs> there is a conflict there. As far as, as we can tell, looking from the outside, um, that's a clear conflict. And I just and they don't ask the judge for what's called the Curcio hearing, but it's really to decide whether, objectively, whether or not there is, in fact, a conflict. 
Um, and so I think that's one of the things we can probably look to see. There are so many like question marks and so many more questions that I have, including everything you just raised. So, Tanya, thank you so much for your time. Tali, please hang with us. We have a lot more to get through in tonight's big breaking news, including the willful retention of national defense information. Remember that Trump was already facing 31 counts of willful retention of the classified documents he hoarded down at Mar-a-Lago. But this new 32nd count is a bit different. This is for a presentation concerning military activity in a foreign country. And that charge answers a question that was raised by the previous indictment about whether Trump had a certain document in his possession when this conversation took place at his Bedminster Golf Club in 2021. Take a listen. Aren't you scared? Isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is some highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> now we know that it wasn't just bluster, at least according to the DOJ. It sounds like Trump had the Iran war plans in his hand that he was waving around to whoever was in his office. Why are they charging this now? So they've always had the documents. Yeah, that we know. And remember, Alex, they had more than 100 documents and only charged 31, not 32. So they had made an initial decision of which to leave on the cutting room floor. And I think that there were two categories of things. One were the ones that were didn't have jury appeal, I think, were too boring, maybe were technically classified, but didn't really tell you why this was a danger to the country, right. that he was retaining them. And then, of course, more importantly, in these cases, prosecutors often hold back ones that are so sensitive that they don't want to expose them in an open trial. And generally, the agencies that have what we call the equities in those documents that did the work in putting together They're the like, information. They're like, don't you dare. Yes, they get to weigh in and say, no, it's not worth it to prosecute based on this one. So I think this fell into that pile. And they eventually got, I think, a witness who, or some other evidence that connected it to the waving around at Bedminster. And once they made that connection, they decided that it was worth including in the indictment. And I think that's for two reasons. One is, as we talked about a bit earlier, this means that this is going to get in front of the jury. Before, they would have had to litigate a bit whether evidence of an uncharged crime could come in, because that's generally considered prejudicial to a defendant to say, here are other bad things that he did that we're going to tell you about without charging him. So there are various rules for the admission of that evidence, and now they don't have to deal with that. They mm. short-circuit all of that. I also think this just has a lot of jury appeal because it's so serious. Yeah. A, a war plan against Iran, and the reasons for keeping it around or keeping it are so unserious. Yes. Exactly. And I, I would want to be able to say that sentence to a jury, and now they can. And, and it sounds like the difference maker is they have someone who can confirm, who was in the room at that time in Benminster, Yes, indeed, he was waving around the Iran war plans. The DOJ was like, oh, check, we have those in our possession. We got them back. And the first exactly. tranche of documents that were returned to us after we begged Trump for an unspecified number of months, they have them. They can say, we know that this was real. This was really the president waving around secret military plans to people to basically exactly. own Mark Milley even though he didn't own Mark Milley, um, own in the pro, in the colloquial sense. Not just, anyway, uh, <laughs> I got to ask you, as we talk about classified documents, NBC News' Laura Jarrett is reporting that Trump's lawyers are now requesting that Trump be able to discuss classified discovery outside of a classified setting, notably in his home. 
The prosecutors have responded, there is no basis for the defendant's request that he be given the extraordinary authority to discuss classified information at his residence. Ahem. And it is particularly striking that he seeks permission to do so in the very location at which he is charged with willfully retaining the documents charged in this case. The irony, Tali, never been thicker. Indeed. I, I think what he's saying with this really borderline frivolous motion is I'm not like other defendants. And I don't want to be inconvenienced the way that other defendants are. Because, of course, when you are given access to these things as a defendant, you have to be look at them in a skiff uh, with your lawyer. Just secure like everybody else. Classified information. A facility. facility. Indeed, exactly. And I think I actually felt kind of sorry for his lawyers when I read this motion because this can't be good for their credibility with the court. I mean, it, it suggests that as a team, they are not taking seriously what is at stake here. And it seems to me that he made a calculation that it was more important for him to sort of puff up that he's a former president and wants to continue to be regarded as such first uh, it, instead of sort of thinking about just the confines of this case. I mean, literally asking to do the thing that he is being charged for. Can I look at classified information in my in my bathroom with a, a gold chandelier, please? No, absolutely not. Exactly. You're not allowed to do that. Maybe in some circular way, it's a, it, you know, it backs up his defense that he was allowed to do this. Well, also on the day when it's very clear that some of his employees are breaking with him and talking to the feds, this just seems like a dangerous legal strategy. This, this one, I think, is just a real mistake. Wow. We are going to be following this. The questions will continue. I am so happy to have you on set. Thank you, Tali, for sharing your wisdom with us tonight. Tali Farhadi and Weinstein. When we come back, one of the revelations in the new indictments over Trump's handling of classified documents, what one of those revelations has in common with some of the most dramatic testimony in the January 6th preceding indictment. There is a paragraph. I like it. It's mine. The price is blown my mind. I feel so rich. Oh, yeah. I feel like a billionaire. I'm shopping like a billionaire. I'm shopping like a billionaire. vacation in the USA. With Booking.com, Booking. Yeah. That is quite telling. Quote, just over two weeks after the FBI discovered classified documents in the storage room in Trump's office, Nauta, as in Walt Nauta, called Trump employee number five and said words to the effect of, someone just wants to make sure Carlos is good. Carlos, as in Carlos de Oliveira, the Mar-a-Lago maintenance worker, who was added to today's new indictment as a co-conspirator. Co in response, Trump employee number five told Walt Nauta that de Oliveira was loyal and that de Oliveira would not do anything to affect his relationship with Trump. That same day, at Nauta's request, Trump employee five confirmed in a signal chat group with Nauta and the PAC representative that de Oliveira was loyal. That same day, Trump called De Oliveira and told him that Trump would get De Oliveira an attorney. The lawyer Trump got to represent De Oliveira is a man named John Irving, and he has been paid by Donald Trump's Save America PAC. 
as is an attorney named Stanley Woodward, who is representing two other clients involved in this matter, Walt Nauda, Trump's ballot, and Yusil Tavares, the Mar-a-Lago IT worker, who is presumed to be employee number four in this superseding indictment. Trump, or Trump's leadership PAC, I should say, has made it a practice to pay for legal representation for the witnesses who might have important information as it concerns the former president. It's something the House January 6th committee explored at length after learning that Cassidy Hutchinson, a key witness, had been contacted by Trump allies to make sure that she, Cassidy Hutchinson, remained loyal. Remember that Ms. Hutchinson's first lawyer, Stephen Passantino, was being paid by Trump and was coaching her to tell committee investigators that she did not recall certain critical information. Joining us now is Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California. She was, of course, a member of the January 6th committee. And as she wrote in a recent MSNBC op-ed, special counsel Jack Smith is vindicating the committee's work. Congressman Lofgren, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I wonder what your thoughts were when you read that paragraph in this indictment about whether Mr. D'Olivero was loyal and whether or not that was the threshold with which he could get an attorney paid for by Trump. Well, it was reminiscent of the uh, testimony we got from Cassie Hutchinson. And not just that he was loyal, but that um, finding him a lawyer, making sure that he was on the team would keep him from uh, telling things or revealing things that would be damaging to uh, the ex-president. I mean, Hutchinson's testimony basically uh, was that uh, she, she, wouldn't, she wasn't told how much uh, the lawyer was being paid. Um, you know, basically, this lawyer was uh, counseling her uh, not to tell the full truth and, in fact, advised her to um, put herself in a position to be held in contempt of Congress. Uh, they dangled jobs in front of her to make sure that she stayed uh, loyal. It, it's sort of a mobster-type approach to people in your, quote, organization. And it sort of reminded me of that. Do you, I mean, I know these are sort of incentivized deals, but does this not qualify as witness intimidation? Well, this was one of the things that the committee referred to the Department of Justice. We were very disturbed about the testimony. Um, we didn't have any, you know, corroborating evidence. Uh, but, you know, there were a lot of the witnesses that appeared before the committee were paid for by Trump world. That's their, uh, their word, not just mine. And it did cause concern. Was uh, that part of the same sort of situation that happened with Ms. Hutchinson? Was it influencing their testimony? Was it keeping these witnesses under control? We, we were unable to find it out, but it made us very uh, suspicious. And we hope that the Department of Justice would look at it and uh, be able to do more digging than we were able to do. Well, I mean, we know that in Walt Nauda and employee number four, which is being reported to be Yusil Tavares, the head of IT at Mar-a-Lago, they are being represented by Stan Woodward. Woodward is being paid by Trump's PAC. But there is a curious sort of dynamic here, which is Yusil Tavares is clearly, if he is employee number four, giving a lot of information to the DOJ, maybe even a cooperating witness. Walt Nauda, on the other hand, represented by the same lawyer, is very much not a cooperating witness. Does that strike you as an odd arrangement and potentially problematic as this case moves forward? Well, it, it 
causes some anxiety. Um, you know, it is not necessarily improper for someone to help or assist with the payment of counsel if they're an employee or the like. That per se is not, you know, illegal or improper. But what the concern is, is that this is being used as a tool uh, to keep a witness under control, to keep them from being fully candid with uh, the Department of Justice. I can't say that that's what's happening here. We don't know that. But it does raise a concern. Uh, and really, I guess some of it is stemming from the testimony that Ms. Hutchinson gave us, because clearly that was the pattern that they were using uh, with her. And of course, it didn't work because she was an honest person. Well, yeah, and that's such a key point. It didn't work with Cassidy Hutchinson because she was an honest person. I mean, in your experience as a lawyer, does it all come down to these these clients just sort of looking at their own sort of internal moral compass and saying, what kind of person do I want to be? Or making the sort of naked like calculation that Trump might not be reelected and I could be in deep legal peril if I continue to basically align myself with him. I mean, what goes into convincing someone that their lawyer is not the best representative for them? Well, every person is different. But Ms. Hutchinson told a wonderful story, which was uh, some, she was advised to do the look in the mirror test. And uh, that would she be able to look in the mirror and face herself based on what she was doing? And I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, if 10 years from now you can't look yourself in the mirror and be proud of what you did, then you ought to think about doing something else. Uh, certainly there are calculations about, you know, will you end up in jail, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, uh, having honor and being truthful is uh, something that we all should do. And, you know, if, if you're not telling a lie, you never have to worry about what you said before. Just tell the truth. True words have never been spoke. Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren, thank you so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. As the world waits on the next big federal indictment, don't take your eyes off what is happening in the states. We're going to tell you about some very big indictment news out of the state of Michigan and what it has to do with the investigation down in Georgia. That is next. Why do people love support pets? It's America's most loved and trusted official ESA approval specialists, having helped tens of thousands of pet owners get their furry friends legally recognized as an official emotional support animal. Click the link and see if you qualify today.
busted. Like knitting or something. Chris Christie full interview, why he turned on Donald Trump eventually seven hours ago, God Save America, DOJ accuses Nauta Trump. The beat with Larry Melber. We start today continuing with that breaking news in the special counsel's Mar-a-Lago probe. A third defendant added to the classified documents case, yeah. Carlos de Oliveira, who helped Trump's co-defendant Walt Nauta move the boxes. This shows that Jack Smith is not slowing down as he still also pushes forward in the January 6th probe. Joining me now is Maya Wiley, CEO of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, and Emily Bazelon, New York Times Magazine legal writer. I want to thank the both of you for joining us. Look, you're getting this news in real time like we are. Maya, I want to start with you. This is pretty big news in my opinion. I think it's a very big showing from special counsel Jack Smith that his investigation has not slowed down, that he's definitely moving forward, making sure if you're not going to cooperate or if you're not going to be a part of this, then you're going to be facing charges. Now, here's the caveat. Maybe he is a cooperator. We don't know yet. But what are your thoughts about the fact that this news has come out, that there's a third defendant who's going to be a part of this classified documents case? I think you said it well, Katie, it's that the work continues and that Jack Smith is leaving no stone unturned uh, and no one with culpability potentially off the hook. So, you know, what's so interesting about Mr. De Oliveira is we know that the special prosecutor had had uh, another Trump staff member come to be interviewed apparently about a call from Mr. De Oliveira about whether or not um, he had asked for some of the security tape footage to be tampered with that would have been recording the comings and goings of those documents. So we did have some reporting a while back that suggested there was something there. We didn't see that in the, obviously in the, the uh, another Trump staff member come to be interviewed apparently about a call from Mr. D'Oliver. What happened to Steph? The Sniffing, whining, panicking, Trump threatens American prosecutors in rust. series of deranged videos. <laughs> This is one day. I have an idea. Come on, man! Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this should be good. Well, 
Buckle up, folks. Here's Donald Trump in the first of what was a set of increasingly deranged and dangerous videos and posts that he released, in which did he not only continue to degrade our country, but also continue to attack Jack Smith. But let's see what this bloviated bag of pus has for an idea. Get deranged Jack Smith to take just a tiny portion of the millions of dollars he's spending illegally targeting me and let him go to the White House with his army of thugs to solve the cocaine dilemma. Well, Donnie, you know a good way that you could keep the AGs and prosecutors off your back? Stop breaking the law, asshole! I just can't think of any eight-ball, I mean, reason why Donald Trump and his son, Don Jr., would be so infatuated with the cocaine found in the White House. Give me a little jet fuel. Donald Trump Jr.'s on cocaine. Don Jr.'s on coke. I have a cocaine addiction. Oh, yeah. Right. I already believe I know the answer, and so do plenty other people. But they spend millions of dollars, probably 15 to 20, and then you add the Mueller report, you add all of the other, they're probably up to $100 million. Only Donald Trump could go from $15 million, which is an outright lie to begin with, to $100 million in less than five seconds. I mean, are you sure it wasn't? $100 billion. I mean, fuck it. Why not just make it a trillion? I mean, if you're just going to sit there and make shit up, why not go big or go home? Now, all this, mind you, coming from a guy who once valued one of his properties at over half a billion dollars while claiming to the IRS it was only worth 16 and a half million. Now, I'm going to repeat that. Once valued one of his properties at over half a billion dollars while claiming to the IRS it was only worth 16 and a half million dollars. Here he is with his new favorite tagline that somehow he's the sacrificial lamb and all this, and because he's going to jail, that means he's somehow doing it to protect all of his supporters, who I guess also stole classified documents and need to be protected somehow. Targeting and going after me because I'm protecting you, and I love you. <laughs> ah, yes, the old president of the United States takes the fall for the small guy. You see it all the time, really. His old bottleneck lying through his goddamn teeth claiming to love the same country in which he let a million Americans die needlessly when he downplayed the severity of COVID-19, which he, in private, damn well knew the severity of. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This is more deadly. This is five per... You know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%, you know, so this is deadly stuff. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I, want you to I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down Yes, sir. because I don't want to create a panic. Then, with his very next words, he denigrates and disrespects the same American citizens that live in the country that he claims to love, all because he committed crimes and it's their job to prosecute. I love our country. These are sick degenerates, and we will win crooked Joe Biden, the most corrupt president in the history of our country, will not be allowed to get away with it. Get away with what, you meathead? Letting the well-qualified people put in positions of power do the jobs they were qualified and hired to do, which just so happens to be put your ass in jail this time? And what the fuck does that have to do with Joe Biden? And you gotta get a kick out of the fact that the Bernie Madoff of U.S. presidents has the boss sit up there in front of a fucking camera and call Joe Biden the most corrupt president this country has ever seen. I never thought I would say that as the leading political opponent of crooked Joe Biden. 
getting indicted and arrested by sick government thugs would be my great honor. It's an honor. I'm pretty sure you didn't think you'd ever have to say that because it's fucking insane to say. There is no honor in espionage. There is no honor in treason. There is no honor in screwing over the same American people that voted you into office to take care of them. And of course, there is no honor amongst thieves. And that's all you are as a goddamn crook. That's all you've ever been. That's all you know how to do is rob, steal, and cheat the American people. And if for some unforeseen, unforgivable reason you were to ever get back in office, that's exactly what you would continue to do. And here's a new one from Five Finger Donald. I haven't heard this one before. Looks like him and his minions have been sitting in the back room throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Doesn't look like any of his talking points are really working, so he's trying out a few new ones. Here he is trying to say that the only reason he's going through this is to prove how evil and menacing the United States... Sorry, couldn't even get through that with a straight face. <laughs> to prove how... <laughs> To prove how evil the United States really is. That's why he's doing that. That's why he stole the documents. That's why he screwed over so many Americans. That's why he let over a million Americans die. Just to prove how evil this country really is. But don't worry. He's doing it for you. Because I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for our country. To show how evil and sinister a place it has become. Make America great again. We're not going to let him get away with it. Thank you very much. No, thank you, you crooked narcissistic son of a bitch, for being so blatantly obvious in your crimes and your stupidity. Now, obviously, as we all know and saw with our own eyes on January 6th, there is a turning point in which Donald Trump's rhetoric goes from delirious and deranged and comically stupid to absolutely downright dangerous and what to be considered as stochastic terrorism. And unfortunately, once again, he crossed that line. Donald Trump happened to repost something that somebody made that can only be taken as an outright threat against not only the government of the United States, but also the people of the United States that go against Donald Trump. Hi, I'm Jenny Lorenzo. And I'm David Gallegos. And we sold our car to Carvana. And this is how it went. I knew it was time to sell my car. But he was procrastinating. A little bit. Yeah. A lot of it. But after seeing an ad for Carvana, I decided to give it a shot. I was pretty surprised with how easy it was. I kid you not, everything is 100% online. Yeah, I was given an offer that was good for seven days or a thousand miles. I was able to sell my car without having to leave the house. And being the introvert that he is, that sent him into euphoria. Yep. All he had to do was input his license plate or VIN, enter the vehicle details, and answer a few questions. And then we scheduled the pickup time that worked for us. Sell your car at Carvana.com or on the app. Yeah, we had to work around some stuff like his Muay Thai classes. And her clown school. But thanks to Carvana, we were able to find time that worked with our super busy adult schedules and responsibilities. Like clown school. It's actually called uh, Commedia dell'arte. Uh, where's that time? At clown school. Auto ship from Chewy. Pet essentials delivered on repeat. Because less running out means more chilling out. Pets aren't just pets, they're more. Get 35% off when you sign up. standing on the street and somebody said that to me, I would take that as a threat. If I was Jack Smith, the special counsel prosecuting Donald Trump, I would definitely take that as a threat. If I was Merrick Garland, the attorney general, 
I would take that as a threat. If I was Fonnie Willis down there in Georgia, I would take that as a direct threat. If I was A.G. Alvin Bragg over in New York, I would take that as a threat. If I was Joe Biden, the President of the United States, I would take that as a direct threat. Basically, he's just hoping that one of his supporters listens to this and takes matters into their own hands. That's all that is. Stochastic terrorism at its finest. He's not telling one single person to do anything, but at some point, enough people are going to hear that message that statistically speaking, one of them has the chance to act and cause some violence. And obviously, threatening our country and the laws we base our society on wasn't enough for Donald Trump because here he is retruthing somebody named Andrea, who is at God Bless Trump 47. This lovely picture replying to Sean Hannity of Joe Biden surrounded by Trump flags with the caption, Biden didn't win shit. Hashtag Trump won. And that's exactly what's going to happen. The longer that Donald Trump keeps retruthing and keeps reposting shit like this, like Elizabeth Moore, who writes, the big lie is that Biden wants and the truth always comes to light. Hashtag Gitmo. Along with the meme of January 6th, the Capitol steps, uh, that says January 6th will go down in history as the day the government staged a riot to cover up a fraudulent election. Posted by the ex-president of the United States of America. And chances are it's going to get worse before it gets better. The more Donald Trump keeps feeling the heat from all these investigations, the more he's backed into a corner. We all know what happens to a wild animal when it's pushed into a corner. But he's going to lash out. He's going to keep doing things like this in hopes that something dramatic happens to save his ass. Hopefully that day never comes. As long as he keeps speaking out like this, I'm going to keep speaking out against him right here on the Midas Touch Network. Please like this. Please share this. Please subscribe to the channel. It's free. Tell Boxer Brian sent you. Until then, keep calling this shit out every single time you hear it, wherever you hear it, however you hear it. Do not let this shit stand. Ever. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. star witness is going to be in the case of United States of America versus Donald J. Trump, Waltine Nauta, and now Carlos de Oliveira. Carlos de Oliveira was added as a defendant in the case today in a superseding indictment which added nine new criminal charges, some of which apply only to one of the individual defendants, some apply to all of them. They are all now accused of participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice directed by Donald Trump. The new defendant, Carlos de Oliveira, is a Trump employee working in maintenance at Donald Trump's Florida residence. The three-person conspiracy described in the superseding indictment tried to recruit a fourth person to the conspiracy. They failed. And because they failed, we now know what really happened in Donald Trump's criminal conspiracy to possess and conceal classified government documents. On page 38 of today's superseding indictment, the purpose of the conspiracy is described. Quote, the purpose of the conspiracy was for Trump to keep classified documents he had taken with him from the White House and to hide and conceal them from a federal grand jury. Donald J. Trump, Waltine Nauta, and Carlos de Oliveira are now charged with participating in that conspiracy, a conspiracy that almost worked until it came up against 
Trump employee form. Today's superseding indictment is a story of very willing and eager participation in Donald Trump's criminal conspiracy by some of the lowest level workers in Donald Trump's employ. While Nauta does not appear now to be a naive victim of Donald Trump's criminal intent who got caught in an uncomfortable cross current between his boss and the FBI and ended up inadvertently tripping into a charge of lying to the FBI. The superseding indictment describes Walt Nauta as every bit as guilty as Richard Nixon's criminal White House chief of staff, Bob Haldeman, who went to prison for his crimes committed in that Republican White House for that Republican president. Walt Nauta is described in this indictment as an eager, proactive, on-the-ground manager of the conspiracy who lied to people about why he was not joining Donald Trump on a trip so that he could secretly fly from New Jersey to Florida for his most important mission in the conspiracy, deleting the security surveillance video recorded at Mar-a-Lago that shows Walt Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira moving Trump boxes to hide them from the FBI. If Walt Nauta had succeeded in executing Donald Trump's order to delete the security camera footage, then there might be no case of the United States of America. Security camera footage told the FBI exactly how the conspiracy was carried out. And the only reason the FBI got to see that video is Trump employee four. The story of the security camera footage begins on page 27 of the superseding indictment with what turned out to be the most important thing that happened on June 3rd, 2022, a year and a half after Donald Trump left the presidency, when the FBI and federal prosecutor Jay Bratt showed up at Mar-a-Lago to collect classified documents that were subpoenaed by a Washington grand jury after the Justice Department concluded a subpoena was the only way to finally get Donald Trump to cooperate and turn over classified documents that he had improperly and illegally taken with him when he left the presence. Donald Trump's lawyers handed the Justice Department team that day a folder containing what they said in writing were all of the classified documents in Donald Trump's possession. That seemed like the big event of the day, the handover of the documents. But it turns out the big event of the day was, quote, the agents observed that there were surveillance cameras located near the storage room. That simple observation of those surveillance cameras changed history. 19 days later, the Justice Department emailed to a Trump attorney, quote, a draft grand jury subpoena requiring the production of certain security camera footage from the Mar-a-Lago Club, including footage from cameras on ground floor basement where the storage room was located. I cannot believe this is my life and not some story that I'm writing in my head. It's wild. You went from nude model to chief financial officer. Chief fund officer. Your sound's made up. It feels great to be back. We're becoming a major player. This issue's gonna be huge. Yeah. I have backed that meeting. You look very 
profession without your knickers on, are you? The next day, at 8.46 p.m., Trump called De Oliveira, and they spoke for approximately 24 minutes. So the day after Trump lawyers are told that the Justice Department is going to subpoena the video footage, Donald Trump calls Carlos De Oliveira and speaks to him for 24 minutes. The day after that, the Justice Department emailed the final, actual, real grand jury subpoena, which required the production of any and all surveillance records, videos, images, photographs, and or closed circuit TV from internal cameras. That same day, at 1.25 p.m., Donald Trump's lawyer spoke with Trump by phone regarding the subpoena for security camera footage. And two hours later, Walt Nauda received a text message from a coworker, Trump employee three, indicating that Trump wanted to see Nauta. And less than two hours later, Nauta, who was scheduled to travel with Trump to Illinois the next day, changed his travel schedule and began to make arrangements to go to Palm Beach, Florida instead. Walt Nauta told no one about why he was really going to Florida. He told one person that it was a family emergency. Walt Nauta seemed to know at the time that the reason he was going to Florida was something that had to be kept secret. Later that day, while Walt Nauta was making his plans to go to Florida, Nauta and De Oliveira contacted Trump employee four, who was the director of information technology at the Mar-a-Lago Club. Nauda and De Oliveira exchanged text messages with Trump employee four asking if he was going to be around tomorrow, which was a weekend. Trump employee four texted Nauda, bro, if you need me, I can get away for a few, just let me know. On Saturday, June 25th, Walt Nauda traveled from New Jersey to Palm Beach, Florida, Carlos de Oliveira told another Trump employee that Nada was coming down, but he asked that employee not to tell anyone that Nada was coming down because Nada wanted the trip to remain secret. Shortly after arriving at Mar-a-Lago the next day, Walt Nada and Carlos de Oliveira, quote, went to the security guard booth where surveillance video is displayed on monitors, walked with a flashlight through the tunnel where the storage room was located and observed and pointed out surveillance cameras. The only reason we know that they did that is that the security camera video was not deleted, even though Donald Trump and Walt Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira tried to delete that video in criminal defiance of a federal subpoena for that video. The key element in the conspiracy to delete the video came at 9.48 a.m. Monday morning when Carlos de Oliveira walked to the IT office where Trump employee four was working with another employee in the IT department. De Oliveira requested that Trump employee four step away from the office so that de Oliveira and Trump employee four could talk. All of their movements were recorded on the video that Donald Trump's criminal conspiracy failed to delete. 
de Oliveira took Trump employee four to a small room known as an audio closet near the white and gold ballroom. De Oliveira told Trump employee four that their conversation should remain between the two of them. De Oliveira asked Trump employee four how many days the server retained footage. Trump employee four responded that he believed it was approximately 45 days. De Oliveira told Trump employee four that the boss wanted the server deleted. And here, here was Trump employee four's moment in history, whether he knew it or not. Trump employee four could eagerly join Walt Nauder and Carlos de Oliveira's apparent eager participation in Donald Trump's criminal conspiracy. Trump employee four 